Hello and welcome to to Thickcast. I am your host, Molly Edwards, and today I have Vicky, also known as the Tiny Titan, joining me. Hello, Vicky. Hello, Molly. How are you, love? Yeah, good, thank you. How are you? Can't complain. I am just recovering from a savage leg session. So, yeah, let's just leave it at that. (laughs) That's fine. Um, So do you want to do a little bit of an introduction to yourself for anyone who doesn't know you? Sure. So um, my name is Vicky, um, a.k.a. the Tiny Titan. Um, The reason why I'm called the Tiny Titan is because I am very small in stature and very small in weight. And um, the Tiny Titan just kind of came around because my kids wanted to make up some superhero names. So my kids have got um, superhero names themselves and mine just happened to be the Tiny Titan. It just kind of stuck. Um, I run my own. um, I run my own coaching business known as Titan Coaching. I've been established now for seven years in the industry. I've been in the coaching industry um, for 12 years. I've qualified and still practicing adult nurse with a specialty in orthopedic surgery and GI disorders, um, which does obviously transpire very well into my coaching because one of the main reasons why people come to me is um, digestive problems. I deal with a lot of athletes who do have to push quite a lot of food in their off season because one of my niche markets is strongman and strongmen, as you can imagine, are very, very big people and they have to eat a lot of food in order to progress their lifts. So a lot of people do come to me for uh, digestive problems, things like bloating, heartburn, reflux, um, various other issues like that. So my, my nursing accreditation does, does obviously help with that. And then in relation to my orthopedic surgery background, I've got a know the skeleton inside and out back to front and left right so again when I program people in terms of their training methodologies that obviously helps at the same time um I'm also a bodybuilder myself I'm a competitive bodybuilder I competed two weeks ago um at the FitEx and won my physique class I'm two uh, two weeks and two days away from my next competition which is going to be the PCA Mercia I'll be doing that one in the trained figure category because they don't realistically do a figure one they do female bodybuilding but they don't do physique um, I cannot do women's bodybuilding because I'm just not big enough. Yeah. Um, and in relation to needing to be big enough, you would have to push quite a lot of performance enhancing drugs, which I'm not willing to do because I like being a girl and I like looking girly and feeling girly. So not that I'm saying that there is absolutely anything wrong with it. I think women's bodybuilding is phenomenal, but it's just my decision that I don't particularly want to do it. So what class is your preferred class then? Physique? Physique, yeah, that's the one that I actually, that's the one that I compete in. Yeah, because PCA is a bit funny, isn't it? Because they don't have that, do they? No, they don't do physique, they do trained figure. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Because they're all slightly different, aren't they? When you go across different federations, they'll have slightly different names for what's the same thing. And sometimes it can be very confusing. It can be confusing, especially if you have a look. I mean, if you compare FITEX to PCA, for example, the PCA have got trained figure, but so does so does the FITEX, but they're two different criterias. So trained figure in PCA is um, physique in FITEX. Yeah. So and physique in the NPC, for example, that can almost be um, on par with women's bodybuilding over here. So it's it's all kind of well smooth. The one bit of advice that I can give anybody who's going to go into any kind of female class is just research the the category that you're going to go in. You know, oh, and research yeah. the category per federation that you're going to go in as well, because again, it's all going to be very, very different. Yeah, and it does change. Like I know people that do sort of like a toned figure in PCA with two bros would compete in bikini. 
So yes, it's, it's very much like knowing where you fit with each federation. Um, mm-hmm. And just knowing that, because I the reason I come up with that is because my I had a client and she messaged me yesterday and was like, I'm really confused. She said, what's bikini wellness? And I was like, well, bikini is one class and wellness is another. But I didn't realise PCA called well, what I would call wellness, mm-hmm. bikini wellness. So yeah. when I looked at it, I was like, oh, it's just wellness. But they called it bikini wellness. And she was like, oh, I thought it was like halfway between bikini and wellness. And I was like, yeah. oh, no, it's wellness, but it's just people. And I said, but when you go to NFM, they'll call it shape. So yes. it's it's very confusing, I think, especially when you're quite new to it, to what they actually mean by each thing. So like you said, it's very important to, to kind of look into that. So where have you always been physique? Have you kind of started? Tell me a little bit about how you kind of started with your journey. Like your so background wise, okay. So background wise, I've been bodybuilding realistically. I did have all of it. I have been in the gym, should we say, for mm. about twenty years. Bodybuilding wise and bodybuilding specific, I've been doing that for seventeen years. So, um, well, no, sixteen years. Sixteen years. So after I had my children, um, after I had my children, I obviously had to take a little bit of a break from the gym because obviously, you know, I was. I was pregnant and then I had two two small kids. So I had a little bit of a break from the gym. Um, understandably so, I, I did gain a lot of weight in regards to, um, you know, having kids and, and my stomach was obviously very different. My ass was very different. My thighs and my legs were very different. Um, so I basically said, right, okay, um, I'm going to obviously, I, I need to obviously get myself in, back into shape. Started off at the gym again, wanted to lose a little bit of weight. And then my then boyfriend um, decided to propose to me. So I was like, oh, holy shit. Now I really need to get my idea <laughs> because I need to look good in a wedding dress. So the one way that I knew how to manipulate my body, how I could change things the way that I could do was by bodybuilding. So I literally just threw myself into bodybuilding. So I was planning to get married um, and we had set a date for about 18 months time. Um, Now I actually hit my weight loss goal and my wedding dress goal um, in eight months because I knew how to manipulate my food, my training, my expenditure in order to achieve a certain goal. So I did that in eight months. And then I thought, crap, I've actually got to like sustain this now for 12 months. So what the hell am I going to do? So I put myself into a bodybuilding competition. And that's basically how it all kind of kicked off. Um, Put myself into a bodybuilding competition. Um, I won my qualifier. I then came off at the British. Um, I actually did my, yeah, so I did the British. And then did a couple of the shows, obviously, for just stage experience and that kind of thing. Um, after that, I did another season. So I did a qualifier. And... Do, you start off, do you start off in, like, figure or? Um, no. So I actually started off in figure. And then it was actually class that I was in the wrong class. Okay. Because I am not figure. Yeah. Definitely not figure. I do not for figure at all. So I needed to go into a class called athletic, um, and I competed with the BMBF. So I competed in athletic, which is realistically physique. Um, so I did that. I won my class on my second season. I did the qualifier. I won the qualifier. Um, I then went abroad and got married. In between the qualifier and the British, I then came back and then did the British. Um, and then obviously I went into an off season. In that off season, I then inspired into powerlifting, um, and I became England's champion. Um, so I went over to the Commonwealth and competed in the Commonwealth. I brought back a silver for England in in the Commonwealth Championships, 
Um, obviously, COVID hits. So that was a load of fun. Um, I went and uh, did the, the British Bench Press in the under 52s category. Um, I got a record in that. And I was invited to the Worlds, but then COVID hit, so I never actually made it to the Worlds. And then I spent the last or the, the next kind of 18 months to two years training in my garage because of COVID. Um, I never made it to the Worlds, even though I did have my official invite to the Worlds for powerlifting. Um, so I just decided to concentrate on building some muscle, keeping fit, keeping healthy, obviously, in the garage. Um, and then obviously two weeks ago, it was my first time back on stage in five years. So it was really enjoyable to do that on the on the FitEx, um, especially to obviously go on just walking on in five years, nailing a routine, nailing my posing, and obviously winning my class. So yeah, th that's basically me in a nutshell and uh, what my background was in terms of competing. So where's your sort of plans going from here then? You're going to obviously do Manchester. Oh no, sorry, Mercia, isn't it? You did Manchester. Yeah, Mercia. Okay, yeah. and then are you going to go on to finals as well? Uh, it depends if I qualify for PCA. If I do the PCA and I qualify for finals, then yes, I will do. Um, I've already qualified, obviously, for finals for Fitex, so I've got that one. That was on the 22nd of October. Um, so that, and then it's going to be a, a an off-season plan at that point. And then I'll decide on what I want to do in the off-season moving forward. So how was your... Obviously, you hadn't um, prepped or competed for five years. So how was kind of like this prep? differ to perhaps you've done in the past did you do anything differently um, not particularly no um my food is actually a hell of a lot higher this time around um because obviously i've you know i've, I've got a lot more education in terms of my knowledge in terms of my body um what my body reacts to. so my training has got a lot a lot harder a lot more specific in terms mm -hmm. of the areas that I need to build up um which is again really important especially for physique athletes um and well any kind of athlete really you need to have specific base training so that's been different um my cardio has been a lot lower I mean I haven't done any cardio now in god probably about six weeks um my steps are just standard for me because I've got a dog and I've got kids and everything else. Um, so my steps are fairly standard, which are about 14 to 15,000 a day. But again, that's just my baseline steps. Um, my food leading into prep, I was on 300 grams of carbohydrates um, on a training day and then 250 on a rest day. So again, you know, but, but this is the problem that I see in quite a lot of people where they turn up looking really flat and really stringy. And it's just because they're over dieted. They don't, they're afraid to actually eat more food. And the thing is, is that you're bodybuilders. If you are a bodybuilder and you want to go on stage, you need to eat, you know, because you are depleting your muscle when you go into to do a, a training session. Or in my in my personal experience, you are going to be hitting those muscle fibers very hard. Um, I'm not one of these people that does a top set and a back offset. I don't believe in it. I just don't think it particularly works. I don't think it's actually beneficial for hypertrophy. Um, and it's not good for intensity either. It's all very well and good doing six top reps, but realistically, all that's going to do is hit your central nervous system and you're just going up as opposed to actually hitting your muscle tissue in the correct manner. So I use intensity techniques. I do use a higher volume approach for myself, um, but just enough volume in order that I can recover from it. They hit a lot of sessions with all this volume and intensity and then they never recover and they're just fucked and exactly. it's not really beneficial either is it 
No, um, you're only as strong as the sessions that you can actually recover from. And this is one of the bigger problems that people have as well. They don't eat enough in order to support their recovery. Um, I mean, obviously, if you are an assisted lifter or an assisted bodybuilder, your recovery is going to be a little bit better because you've got the drugs on board in order to help recovery. Yeah. But, you know, if you're if and you're a small bikini girl, for example, and you're doing a heavy set of six on you know a leg press or something like that which I have seen and I just kind of it, it blows my mind um you know you're not going to recover from that central nervous system wise so these are all kind of things that you've got to take into consideration when you're building your physique yeah it's interesting um so one of the other things that um you do is you coach a lot of different athletes across like different kind of sports so obviously you said about your strongman um powerlifting you coach obviously bodybuilding I think it's really cool. But what do you find is the main differences between them? Or do you find coaching them is actually kind of similar? Oh, no, absolutely not. Definitely not. Um, coaching across disciplines is extremely different. Um, you coach a bodybuilder. Bodybuilder, for example, can have a set plan. Um, and they can stay on that plan for 12, 15, 18 weeks. Because that's the whole point of progressive overload. Mm-hmm. Strongman and powerlifters, they need to have differentials to have different accessories they different need to have different pause points um food wise and nutrition wise hydration wise performance aid wise they're all different and of course um the athlete themselves the athlete themselves have got to be individualized and um personally programmed and personally coached i never coach one person the same as the next because everybody responds absolutely on a day-to-day basis and I'll communicate with them on a day-to-day basis other people I'll do once a week check-ins other people I'll just say to them right I want you to actually check in with me more um but yeah the nutritional split will be different uh like powerlifters for example nine times out of ten they'll actually be on a linear basis a linear caloric intake because they need it for recovery Whereas bodybuilders, it's aesthetics. So we can manipulate things by having undulating um, periodization in terms of their macros. Um, But powerlifters, you know, they need to make weight. MMA fighters, for example, they need to be powerful in their sessions. But again, they're going to need to cut to a weight class. So we need to have a look at um, water manipulation, sweat rates, um, water intake, sodium levels. There's so many different things that are across across the disciplines. Even people who do Ironman or triathlon training, uh, crossfitters for example i've got crossfitters who are competing in the arnold's tomorrow um they're all different so so yeah i mean coaching different disciplines it's a lot of men it's a lot of mental work <laughs> as opposed to not taking this across the globe but there is a hell of a lot more calculations that you need to do across certain disciplines and you need to make sure that everything is absolutely bang on especially if you are going to be manipulating somebody's weight via means of a water cut or a sweat so yeah very very different so how did you get into coaching so many different things because like I kind of I coach lifestyle and I coach bodybuilding because you know lifestyle is one's kind of got a lifestyle if that makes sense um and bodybuilding is is what I do um mm-hmm. but I wouldn't really coach a strongman or I wouldn't really coach a powerlifter because I to be honest I don't know enough about it so coaches yeah. how did you get into coaching so many different sort of sports and coaching them well well, it's my educational background. So I'm a performance nutritionist. Um, I'm qualified up to master's degree level. 
um, in performance nutrition. I've done my own piece of research in my master's as well, um, which was based on the use of ergogenic aids in competing strong women. Um, so that was a really interesting paper that I wrote, um, and that's been published in journals. So, um, I mean, strength sports is a passion of mine. I really, really enjoy strength sports. Endurance is amazing. Strongman is something that really gets my go up. Um, reason being is because it's so different and yeah. everybody responds to different things. And I mean, let's face it, strongman is literally just picking up heavy shit and moving it and then putting it back down again. But they're really, really awkward implements. Um, and you have to do everything in like a 60 second blast. Yeah, because I used to train with a lot of strongmen and it's, it's funny what they do. And it's it's not even just like lifting something heavy it's a skill behind it you know those atlas stones like yeah they're heavy it's very different to like lifting the same weight on a barbell you know it's because you it's how you've got to go and roll it up and all of that business it's it's interesting it is very interesting and also just one session for example because strongmen um nine times out of ten let's say strongmen and women they will actually do four sessions a week so they'll probably do something along the lines of a log a deadlift um maybe something along the lines of um, a moving event possibly but i particularly use those on an event day but then they'll do an event session right they'll do an event day um or they'll probably do a squat actually on one of those days but then they'll do an event day now one of those event days they will use all three energy systems because the body works on energy systems right so bodybuilding for example that's a glycolytic sport okay you're going to be using quite a lot of glycogen whereas um, powerlifting that's not particularly using glycogen quite a lot so it's not glycolytic but it does derive from and phosphate system which is your one rep maxes right you're really really strong power and all so this is the reason why i'm saying you do need a different nutritional aid for different disciplines because they're using different energy systems um, at different times whereas in event in an event session for example um a strong man they can use all three energy systems all in one go so if they need to do a max deadlift for example that's the creatine phosphate system but then if they have to go into um, a squat for reps, that's going to be the glycolytic system. If yeah. they're going to need to be doing a farmer's run, that's going to be glycogen, but it's also going to tap into their fat and endurance fibers. So again, all of these energy systems are, uh, are there. And to be perfectly honest, I just get to geek out. And I get to geek out and I'm like, right, this is what we're going to do with your game day plan. And we're going to do the game day that I do for them is completely personalized to that particular athlete. So Chloe Brennan is one of my athletes, for example. Um, we have had to, I prepped her for the Arnold's three years ago, um, and then we gave her a game day plan from there. We had to manipulate a load of different things using different performance aids. She hates coffee. She's weird like that. I don't like So that. we use different caffeine, in, or caffeine implements in order to boost that, that element because caffeine is a performance-based um, ergogenic. So that's what we use for Chloe. And um, she also reacts very, very well to Skittles um, in terms of like a high, a high glycolytic response. So we use Skittles in her plan. And everybody just kind of reads my plans sometimes and they're like, Nikki, are you sure we're going to be using this? It's like, uh, yeah, there is a time and a place for really fast acting sugars. Yeah. Everybody is afraid about using the quote unquote junk food. But you know what? Sometimes a little bit of junk will go a long way. Yeah. Absolutely. So one of my other guys, um, he's a strong man, for example, he's a 105 strong man. I use muffins for him because, you know, white chocolate and cranberry muffins for him work all the way through his meal plan in terms of his prep. Of course we don't, because there are times and places where we need to use these specific substrates. 
Mm. So again, everybody is different. Um, this is the reason why I absolutely love coaching different disciplines because I like to get to know my clients as well. Every single one of my clients, I know what their family um, situation is, whether they're married, have they got kids? I know their dog's name, their favorite color, their favorite food, what they're going to be doing on weekends. Every single one of my clients, I know about that because if I don't know my athlete, there is absolutely no way that I'm going to be able to make them top tier. And that's my job at the end of the day. I need to make you the best that you can possibly be. So I need to get to know you. And it's the little things like that are important because like for me, I like my steps to be higher and my cardio to be less because I've got a spaniel. So if you know mm-hmm. that you're going to be like, well, she's going to be walking a lot because the dog likes it. And every time my steps go up, the dog goes, thank you. Cause he loves it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But even longer. And apparently there is no time that we cannot be walking in the day according to the dog. So, you know. Well, according to the dog, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Mine's a little bit older now. He's a bit more cranky and cantankerous. Sure. So he has two more. He, um, he's a cross. He's a mutt. Yeah. <laughs> so he's a, he's a white German shepherd and a golden lab. Oh. So, yeah, he's amazing. And he's like the best dog ever in the world. Um, But yeah, he is cracking on for like 10 years old now. So he's old, but he's, he's wonderful. Yeah, but still sick. So we've calmed a little bit but we're still pretty mental but spaniels don't really age like other dogs because they're a bit insane aren't they they just Indeed, yeah. stop <laughs> ever yeah yeah um so what's the main thing you think people underestimate obviously we spoke a lot about nutrition what do you think is the main thing people underestimate about nutrition and what is the main thing you think people like overcomplicate about it as well oh my god they just overcomplicate nutrition altogether like literally overcomplicate nutrition. I mean, this, uh, this of course, depends on who we're talking about. If we're talking about we're general builders, because it's going to be more bodybuilders in Gen Pop that are listening to this. Okay, so let's obviously have a look at Gen Pop. People who um, determine foods as good or bad. They yeah. overthink good or bad foods all the time. Um, grind my gears, right? The only food that is going to be bad for you are the foods that make you sick. So things like gone off milk, fish that's been left out on the side for a few days, you know, don't eat that. It's going to make you sick. Things that you are allergic to, don't eat that. It's going to make you sick. Things that have um, an intolerance, you know, that's not very good. And things that are poisonous, please don't, you know, drink bleach. That's pathetic. But it's those kind of things that people um, overcomplicate, you know. Oh, I can't have I can't have Mars bars because they make me fat. You know, I can't have bread because it's fattening. I'm sorry, what is, what is the specific about bread that is specifically fattening? Is it the bread itself or is it the amount that you consume? Yeah, see, I think a lot of that is us growing up in a culture where we've got Slim and Wild and Weight Watchers and they've got these bloody sins for everything. And then that teaches you good and bad food, which none of it makes any sense. And I can't get yeah. my head around how they even work any of that out, to be honest. Um, but I well, think they don't. It's just, it's, it's just a it's a it's a throwaway thing with Slimming World and you know the sins and stuff like that because they also class protein as a sin. You can have as much pasta as you want because that's a freebie. You can have a healthy option A, which is like your dairy, so milk or cheese or whatever, and then you can have a healthy option B, which I don't actually. I think that's your bread, your bread and whole grain or whatever. But potatoes, they are a free food. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, but since when have potatoes now been calorie-free? Don't understand. And then your protein, 
Yeah, exactly. But, you know, if, if somebody says to me, oh, yes, it's all sin free, you know, because I've got a burger and I've homemade it, but it's sin free. I'm like, no, that's about it's back in 700 calories, girl. So I don't really understand why, why this is coming through as sin free. I and then the other thing, the other thing that they do is they, they demonize protein and say that protein is a sin. So you're only allowed a certain number of sins across the day. Well, I've known people who have actually saved their sins all the way through the week so they can down a bottle of Malibu at the end of the day, at the end of the week. And it's like, okay, well, that's not actually instigating a healthy relationship with food. No. So demonizing foods, demonizing food groups, you know, oh, I went keto and it shredded me up. No, you were just depleted because you have no glycogen in your system. Um, and I bet that you were backed up for days and that your fart smelled like farmyard. So again, that's that's probably one of the biggest things that I think people overcomplicate. They just overcomplicate food in general. Um, I think the, uh, the biggest underestimation of nutrition is how you can actually use it to be powerful for yourself. And I'm not just talking about in terms of aesthetics or strength. I'm actually talking about having a healthy approach to food in general. If you have a good relationship with food and you understand that there are no good or bad foods, there are certain amounts for different people that can be classed as good or bad. But I think if you actually have the freedom in your brain and emotionally you are not connected to food, that makes you really fucking powerful because if somebody invites you out for dinner and instead of you being really afraid of going out for dinner and enjoying that kind of thing, people can just kind of go, actually, I'm going to go out and I'm going to actually enjoy myself. I'm going to enjoy my food because I'm not afraid of food. And that's really empowering. And that's within a fitness journey, right? That's not just kind of like, okay, I'm just going to go out and I'm just going to be a fat shit and I'm just going to not do anything about it. Don't get me wrong. If you want to sit on the sofa and you want to, and you're happy in your own body, you're happy in your lifestyle, banging, really, really awesome. Go out and do exactly what you want. But if you are going to go on a fitness journey for weight loss, health, uh, health improvement, psychological improvement, emotional well-being and that kind of thing. And you can actually physically go out with your friends and your family and enjoy a meal. That's that's a bang on in my books. And that's a win because I work a lot with um, eating disorder clients as well. So people who are recovering from anorexia, bulimia, night eating disorders, that kind of thing. I work a lot with them. Um, and to actually have somebody send me a picture and say, actually, you know what? I took my mum out for a coffee and I didn't just have a black Americano and I had a cinnamon swirl with it and I felt good. It's like, do you know what? That's better than any trophy for me. Yeah. Because absolutely. you are progressing your life, which is going to be life changing. Yeah. That's brilliant. 100%. How do you find coaching men? Because this is something kind of, I don't know if you've listened to the podcast with Andy and Ryan yet, but you coach Andy, don't you? And, I do, it's really cool. Yeah, and actually I was saying to him, and it, it kind of came to me that actually there's very, very few women coaches that coach men. There's a lot of male coaches that coach women. There's women coaches that yeah. coach women, but it's very rare that you find a female coach that coaches men. How do you mm. like, find this as a coach? No different than coaching anybody else. Yeah. Do you ever find... Uh, I don't see, don't see the stigma towards it at all. Because um, obviously I'm from very much a PT background. I started online coaching around about a year ago, just over. Um, I was always mm -hmm. on the gym floor before. 
And what I would often find on the gym floor is that it didn't matter that I could have been the most knowledgeable person on that gym floor. There were men that wouldn't come and ask me for help. They would only go to another man because I couldn't tell the answer because I'm a woman. And I don't know if you've ever kind of experienced that with your coaching or whether it's been any of that or not at all. No, never. And I think it's literally because of the simple fact that I am a no bullshit approach coach. I will just tell them how it is. I mean, it's really hilarious because um, I, so Aaron Page is a world-class strongman, was a world-class strongman, and we lost him um, two years ago to COVID, um, which broke my heart. He was one of my best friends. Um, I love him to death. But it's hilarious with Aaron because obviously I am tiny, right? I'm five foot. I'm five foot and a half. So I'm a very, very small person. And there's a really, really awesome picture of me in his gym um, down south. And he's towering over me. And I'm literally this. And I'm like, you need to plan. But I do this with all my guys, you know, and all of my girls. And, um, you know, predominantly, I mean, to be honest, my clientele roster is like a 50-50% split. Um, and I think if you are just literally open and honest with people, as long as, I mean, let's face it, sometimes you're going to have bloody bigots and people who are just going to look at women as women and they don't understand things and they're the big boys in the gym and that kind of thing. But to be perfectly honest, my results speak for themselves. Yeah. So as long as, as long as I'm open and honest with my guys and I keep on showing people the fact that, you know, men can listen to women because sometimes women do actually know a little bit more than men. Men, men have two brains, right? You obviously know where the second one is because yeah. they think with this one up here and sometimes they can think with the other one. But, you know, ego is a big thing for, for men. And sometimes men can just kind of say, well, I don't want a woman to tell me what to do. And this is the difference. I never tell any of my athletes what to do. I never dictate to them. I will literally have a collaboration with them. I'll get on the phone with them. I'll have a video call with them. And I'll say, this is what I'm, I'm suggesting that we do. Are you okay with that? Yeah. This is your meal plan. Are you okay with that? It is always a collaboration and never a dictatorship. And I think all coaching should be like that. It should never be, here's your plan, fuck off, I'll see. That's not how shit works. That's not how people work. And it's not what people respond to. They respond to people. And I'm a fairly likable person. I'm no bullshit. If you don't like me, you don't need to. I'm not going to take it personally. But no, I've never had an issue in terms of coaching men, talking to men, um, telling men how it is. Yeah, I've always found it a funny one because obviously that it is that that real thing in the industry that it is so male dominated. So I did find it quite interesting. Um, and like I said, when I used to be on the gym floor, you know, there's a few men that I did coach and they did well. But there was men on the gym floor yeah. who wouldn't ask me a question because how could I possibly know the answer? And it would be something simple. They'd be like, oh, oh it's Jack, I need to ask him something like yeah, I'll go find mm. what exercise can I do for my triceps? Like, I would have been able to tell you that, but obviously you needed to ask a man. So that's fine. I'm just going to yeah. do that. But I, you know, I didn't really have time for it, to be honest, you know. But, um, so when you're, obviously we both judge together with FitX. Um, I don't know if you, do you judge for any other federations as well or have you? No. No, just FitX. What, when you're judging and you're on the panel, what do you see often that's like your pet hate and you think people can like really kind of like improve on? Posing and conditioning. Exactly. Every single time. <laughs> Honestly, posing 
and conditioning that's that's realistically the thing the things that i really want people to kind of like bone up on because if you have lost a crap ton of weight and you want to flaunt it well done you don't do it on a bodybuilding stage go and do it on some other stage right go and get a photo shoot done or go and do it on one of those transformation categories that you can see i know that there's one that's like there's a, a federation called glyph things yeah glifting girls they do it yeah and i want to do say um MPAD, that's like a natural bodybuilding federation but they do right. a category as well um, fine great go and do that go and do that but if you are wanting to actually go up on stage against bikini girls against figure girls or anything like that and you still have cellulite and you are still jiggling and everything else and you've got no conditioning being brought in i'm sorry you do not have any right or place to be on a bodybuilding stage you don't it is a bodybuilding stage and that is what you need to bring. You need to bring condition. Um, a lot of the times I've seen women not being able to get their legs in, um, which don't get me wrong, it's difficult. Absolutely, it's difficult. But you still need to bring them in. You still need to have shape. You still need to have condition. To the right amount. You can't be bloody stringy, but um, you, know, you do still need condition. And then posing. If you've got the condition, because at some points I have seen condition, but then you're not flaunting it. You're not showing the judges what you've got. You're hiding yourself by crumbling yourself in or pinching your back together. And then all of a sudden we can't see the back width that you've got and the detail in your back. So yeah, posing and conditioning, two major, major, major pet hates. Yeah, I have to completely agree with you there. And I think with posing as well, I think it's so underestimated because when you're on stage, we didn't give a shit what you can lift. I don't know what any of you can lift, I don't care. I don't care how low your calories were. I don't care how much cardio you did. I don't care about any of that. All you're being judged on on that day is essentially how you look good in each pose. So if you can't even pose, you're not going to look good in it. So you're not going to do very well. But you're right. There's definitely what I'd say. Exactly the same. Um, I've also seen some of the feedback you've given to people. Um, you actually did my sister's feedback, so she sent that to me. Um, and it was really, really in-depth, and I loved that. How important is that to you? Oh, massively so. How are people going to improve if you don't give in-depth feedback? Um, so, realistically, feedback's massively important. I do think that you should give in-depth feedback, because how are people supposed to improve if they don't know what they're going to be improving on? I mean, it could be something as simple as, do you know what? Your physique was great, your conditioning was great, and your bikini was excellent. Oh, shit. So bring better pose into the finals. That would be great. You know, but even for people who didn't place and they're going to go into an off-season, let's have a look at actually bringing up some different areas. You know, so actually giving them off-season advice. I think if you're going to be going from a qualifier to the finals, if you're going to give some advice in terms of saying, you know, get a wider back, well, that's really silly. That's really silly because you're not going to be able to get bigger lats, you know, from a qualifier to a finals. So, you know, it needs to be something else. So I think that they should be split into realistically two different kind of feedbacks as well. But I think for an athlete who's going to be competing and possibly looking to compete again um, with the same federation, um, you know, whether it's going to be from qualifier to qualifier or finals or the following year, 
you do need to have really good feedback and and the judges should in my in my perspective um should actually take the time to actually analyze everything so i take a big huge a4 pad with me and i write notes on every single athlete so that if those athletes do come to me and say can i get some then i will do feedback and if i don't do it by the email link and um, then i'll do it by a voice note because some of the athletes actually just direct um directly message me on Instagram yeah. or what have you and then I'll voice note them you know I'll give them all the feedback from there so so yeah it's massive it's, it's a big important part of your job really as a, as a judge like I think why well, now I take my notebook and write very much in shorthand and probably no one else would ever be able to understand what it means but I know what it means um so I can yeah. give that. and I think we're all pretty good at that aren't we so making sure that people I think so yeah we've had some good feedback to feedback so you know it's always a bonus Cool. I'm going to pick two questions from this question box thing we put up, and I can't see which ones they are. If they're really shit, I'll pick another one because some are. <laughs> um, oh, this is quite good. What three things would you change about the fitness industry? I probably have it regulated. That's the first one because regulation in this industry, unfortunately, the coaching industry is unregulated. And there have been so many people, more so this year than any other year, actually, that have come to me asking me to fix them because their hormones have been completely shot through the through the floor. You know, their emotional um, stability with food and emotional stability in general um, has been affected. Um, endocrine systems have been bad. Hormones are terrible. So, yeah, I do honestly think that coaches should be qualified. Um, and I do think that you you do a bodybuilding show and then all of a sudden you are a prep coach. No, no, you're not. It might be very, very fine for you to get yourself into stage condition underneath a different guidance or somebody else's guidance. But actually learning about somebody's body and prepping them to stage is a very, very different thing. So I'd like to see that a little bit more so um, changed. It's never going to happen, but it is something that I would like to have. Courses as well, because there's no course that says how to be a bodybuilder coach. Do you know what I mean? There's, that's not a regulated certificated course so maybe if that could be yeah. a record, then yeah. that would be one that people could do instead of you just doing loads of little courses people put out and studying where you can on different things you know what I mean it would be quite cool if there was a course yeah I mean it's it's all right by doing that I mean I run a mentorship course um for people who just want to kind of elevate their their knowledge in certain things because like I said I'm an old fart now you know I've been in this yeah. industry and, and dealt with hundreds of people um so I run a mentorship course myself but to be perfectly honest with you actually knowing baseline knowledge is something that a lot of PTs and a lot of coaches don't know it's a lot of clients who are actually PTs and they shoot me questions every now and again in relation to some of their clients that they have and saying things like you know oh my, my client's experiencing bloating can you can you help me with this and it's like well what kind of bloating you know is it actual is it true bloat or is it just a feeling of heaviness is it bloated by water or is it bloated by air you know there are two different types of things that you can do here so that's that's the biggest thing I'd like to change about the industry as well I think um I'd also like to change uh things like cookie cutter workouts you know oh he i'm 150 pounds a month pay me and i'll get you your plan over straight away i'm sorry it takes me four days sometimes longer to actually put somebody's plan together and i'm not just talking about a training plan i'm talking about a nutrition plan which is supported by a supplementation supported yeah. by the that i'm putting somebody's plan together i will have back and forth conversations with them via whatsapp via video call via phone call whatever because and, and honestly for the first program that I send over to my clients, it will never be perfect. No, it will right. never be the program that they will be on the following week. 
Because again, after they start, we talk every single day, right? feedback to this training i want to see all of your training videos i hate that movement on you we're going to change it you know so it's it's never 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 perfect but i've seen coaches who take payment sometimes they take 12 month payments up front by the way 12 month payments up front at maybe 300 pounds a month or something along those lines and then they send the client within five minutes and it's like no that's cookie cutter that, that is the that you have saved on your computer. You know, I've and that's the people that they're a vegetarian. They mm-hmm. ask the plan, they get given a plan with meat in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Allergic to nuts and they've got peanut butter in them. Yeah, I've seen it all. Well, I've, I've written it for you now, so you've got to eat it. What? I know, but people I'll do it all the time. Bits, that's enough. Yeah. Okay, right. Mental, but there we go. Yeah. And your final one? Um, final one about the industry. Um, oh God, shiny Instagram coaches, people who go on Instagram and they're like, Oh, she's shiny or she's pretty. She doesn't know what she's doing. I'm sorry, guys and girls. Yes, sex sells. Of course it bloody does. But once sex goes away, what are you left with? A saggy body full of shit. Whereas obviously knowledge, knowledge will remain. Knowledge will increase, knowledge will get better. Don't fall for the shiny Instagram coaches. Um, So I think that's a big thing. You know, coaching is now predominantly social media. It is not based on knowledge. You know, and then it's always their highlight reel. So you've got a coach and they might have five or six really, really good clients. And let's be honest, it's very easy to polish a Ferrari. They Mm. press them all over their thing. My clients won this over, my clients won that. Okay. But what about your other clients that I've seen in shows on stage that don't look like that at all? And don't do well because you haven't supported them. And you've got your you've got your golden boys and your golden girls. So you ignore everybody else. But then you've got that person competing at that stage at that level. And they're a pro. So all you're going to do is focus all of your efforts on them. That's bullshit. You know, every single client should be treated the same. Yeah. I shut my clients out if they come first place or last place. I wouldn't care. I shut them out because they've done what they needed to do. They've done this journey for them and whatever it is, that's mm. fine. I just feel, I feel it's really sad when you have that. Like someone still worked really hard. You've not shut them out because they've not won you an overall. That's pathetic, yeah. I'm afraid. Um, right, I am aware that you need to go. So your last question, um, and this is the one that I give everyone, is what is the one thing you would like everyone to take away from today's podcast? Oh, wow. <laughs> We've just had a little bit of a chat, haven't we? Um, you want to take away from this one? Never see things in black and white. Things should never be black and white. There's a whole spectrum of colours out there. Coaching should never be training and nutrition. Um, co- coaching should never be a food plan and a training plan. So I suppose if you're actually looking to get into bodybuilding or a performance-based sport, you need to have a look at a spectrum. Um, that's what I would realistically do. Don't just look at things one-sided or, or you know, back to front or, or there's a tail end. Remember that there are so many bits and pieces in between that actually build you as a person, which does include your disciplines, which does include your emotions. It does include, you know, relationships. And these are things that you should not overshadow. So, yeah, look at your look at your actual journey, regardless of where it is in fitness or where it is in life or health or 
ever like that. Look at broader as opposed to just being so pinpointed. Yeah, that's really good, actually. It's a really nice thing to take away because it's definitely something you see in bodybuilding. It's, it's oh, but this coach gets the most people in shape or whatever, but are they looking after their athletes' mental health, looking mm. after them as a mother, as a, you know, partner, as a friend? Are they doing all of well, that? And their career. And their career. Yeah. 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 And surgeons and firefighters and things like that. So I've heard of change your career to do bodybuilding i'm sorry but that's not that's not an acceptable way to coach so. no i've heard that quite a lot can you just not do nights um no <laughs> you know it's part, part of my job <laughs> i think people don't yes bodybuilding may pay that that coach's career but bodybuilding doesn't pay my bills my job pays my bills you know which now is more predominantly exactly. coach so it's it's the same thing, isn't it? I couldn't have given up my job previous to bodybuild because it wouldn't have really worked very well. <laughs> Been great, but I wouldn't no, be exactly. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Well, thank you very much for joining me, Vicky. And if people want to find you on Instagram, drop you a question about anything at all, where can they find you? Uh, it's literally just Tiny Titan. Tiny Titan. You just search Tiny Titan. I'm on there. Lovely. Thank you so much. And I will speak to you soon. You certainly will. Well, I am aware that you need to go. So your last question, um, and this is the one that I give everyone, is what is the one thing you would like everyone to take away from today's podcast? Oh, wow. <laughs> We've just had a little bit of a chat, haven't we? Um, you want to take away from this one? Never see things in black and white. Things should never be black and white. There's a whole spectrum of colours out there. Coaching should never be training and nutrition um co coaching should never be a food plan and a training plan so i suppose if you're actually looking to get into bodybuilding or a performance-based sport you need to have a look at a spectrum um that's what i would realistically do don't just look at things one-sided or or you know back to front or or there's a 
tail end. Remember that there are so many bits and pieces in between that actually build you as a person, which does include your disciplines, which does include your emotions. It does include, you know, relationships. And these are things that you should not overshadow. So, yeah, look at your look at your actual journey, regardless of where it is in fitness or where it is in life or health or whatever like that. Look at broader as opposed to just being so pinpointed. Yeah, that's really good, actually. It's a really nice thing to take away because it's definitely something you see in bodybuilding. It's, it's oh, but this coach gets the most people in shape or whatever, but are they looking after their athletes' mental health, looking mm. after them as a mother, as a, you know, partner, as a friend? Are they doing all of well, that? And their career. And their career, yeah. 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 Like surgeons and firefighters and things like that. So... I've heard of coaches. You've got to take all of these kind of things into account. Change your career to do bodybuilding. I'm sorry, but that's not that's not an acceptable way to coach. So. No, I've heard that quite a lot. Can you just not do nights? Um, no, <laughs> you know it's part of it's part of my job. <laughs> I think people don't. Yes, bodybuilding may pay that that coach's career. But bodybuilding doesn't pay my bills. My job pays my bills, you know, which now is more predominantly exactly. coaching. Still, it's it's the same thing, isn't it? I couldn't have given up my job previous to bodybuild because it wouldn't have really worked very well. <laughs> Been great, but I wouldn't. No, be exactly. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Well, thank you very much, Virginia. It's been right. Well, thank you very much for joining me, Vicky. And if people want to find you on Instagram, drop you a question about anything at all. Where can they find you? Uh, it's literally just Tiny Titan. Tiny Titan. You just search Tiny Titan. I'm on there. Lovely. Thank you so much. And I will speak to you soon. You certainly will.